Father God, we are so thankful for your goodness, and you have blessed us with so much, so much more than we can even give thanks for even now. But we also know you're not through. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for our time together this day. Lord, I pray that you would open up our spiritual eyes and understanding. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word, your word digs into us. And Lord, that it would just continue to unveil your power, your strength in our lives, your, your, your confirmation. You are God and there is no other. We thank you, God. For your goodness. We thank you for this time together with you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Sunday of the new year. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. It's already been a good and it just keeps getting gooder. Amen. Amen. In the book of Genesis, early in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, you see what it looks like by God's design. When man was supposed to live under the authority, man is supposed to rule under the authority of God. And uh, he, he said, you're going to have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, over the creatures of the land. You're to have dominion over all those things. I, I continue to try and take dominion over all of those things. The deers of the field and the birds of the air. And, uh, and yet... Man, instead of continuing to rule under the authority of God, actually submitted to the suggestions of Satan and came under his rule and under this rogue ruler's dominion of darkness. And when that happened, sin entered into humanity and corruption entered into the land. And instead of the righteousness, peace, and joy that God that ha had intended for uh, the world, sin has now taken over and then became suffering and all that that comes with that. God's desire, however, is that the world continue to be brought back under the authority of God. Yeah. And so he would have to come himself. And Jesus Christ came, and he came preaching a kingdom. And when you see that word in the scriptures, recognize he is talking about the sovereign rule of God over the world. He's preaching the kingdom. Just start in the book of Matthew and you just see kingdom, 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 kingdom. And, and, he, is, and he is bringing things back to the order of God. And as he comes and transforms the life of the individual, they now are saved. And, and they are now brought into the kingdom. And they are then commissioned in the kingdom to continue to expand the kingdom. So let me ask, how did 23 go for you? Were you a part of expanding the kingdom of God in, in, the, in this last year? And I, I bet we could all do better. And I pray that we all do better in this, year, this coming year, year 24, that we will be a part of his kingdom work and we will be a part of his kingdom commission. And I want to look in the book of Daniel. Uh, in the Bible, there are, there are word pictures and they, they symbolize certain things. And so in the book of Daniel, you're going to see a word mountain comes up. And when you see the word mountain in the scriptures, mountains refer to kingdoms. Mountains refer to kingdoms. Just remember that. And uh, this is an awesome passage of scripture. By the way, if you have someone who, who struggles recognizing that this is the word of God, that it's trustworthy and true, uh, Daniel's a great book of the Bible to go to because when you see prophecy and it has laid out, this is what's going to happen, and it happens exactly how God said it was going to happen, now you begin to realize, oh, this is, this is a different kind of book. 
This is an awesome, uh, uh, this is the word of God. And so in the book of Daniel, Daniel is, the, the setting of this book is the nation of Israel has been uh, taken by the Babylonians and some of the, uh, the best young men were taken into Babylon. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream, has a vision in the night. And then he tells all of his wise men, uh, you need to tell me what I dreamed. And then you interpret the dream. They said, no, 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 king, you, you tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it for you. We, we can do that. They, he said, no, if you don't tell me my dream, I'm going to kill you. And uh, now the stakes have gotten high. And so uh, he says, tell me what I dreamed. And then you can tell me the interpretation of the dream. And then the word gets out. And then there's a young Hebrew man named Daniel. And Daniel comes and says, this is what you dreamed. You dreamed of this giant statue that had a head of gold. It had a, tor- a chest of chested arms of silver, torso of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. That's what you dreamed. Now, don't you know that old King Nebuchadnezzar's mouth just fell open? Is that, that's exactly what I dreamed. And so if you'll pick up in Jan, Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, it says, You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain. And mountains represent what? Kingdoms. So, got this image, this giant statue, out of a, a, a stone... Out of a mountain comes a stone, not carved with human hands, in this vision. Flies and hits this statue in the feet. Everything comes crushing down into dust. And then the stone that hit this thing in the feet becomes a mountain and covers the earth. So let's read again this last phrase. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, a king of kings, little k. Don't forget that. Little k. There is the king of kings, big k, and his name is Jesus. But in this statue, this head of gold, that's you, Nebuchadnezzar. You are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like the iron that crushes that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. Is it... If you've never read this, you're looking at this and that this is just weird. This is strange stuff. You, you got this vision of this statue and all these elements. Verse 43, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they were mingled with the seed of men. Mingled with the seed of men. 
but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Amen? In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. The book of Daniel has described to us what now history declares to us. The book of Daniel says the Babylonian kingdom will be first global kingdom. The second global kingdom will be the Medes and Persians. That's the silver. The third global kingdom will be Greece. And there are other descriptions in the book of Daniel uh, of beasts that all describe these kingdoms as well. And they use the, fr- the, the illustration of mountains in those as well. And, and, and like just like the beast that represents Greece, it is a, 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 a jaguar with wings. Well, it's just weird. Except when you recognize it's describing Alexander the Great, who his military tactic was come in so fast that you didn't have time to, to resist his, his attack. And, and so you see these earthly, these global kingdoms move from one to the next to the next to the next. After Greece is who? Rome. And the Romans are these legs of iron, and then the Roman Empire is divided amongst these men, and that's the, the iron and clay toes. But then you have this stone that comes out, not carved with hands, and hits this statue in the feet. It crumbles, turns into dust, is blown away, and then the stone becomes a mountain. And this is what it says. It's a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. And this is what this last passage in verse 44 And the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. In the days of the kings, when the Roman Empire was in place, Jesus was born into this world. And the Romans were involved in his crucifixion, but where's the Roman Empire now? It was a global government. The one world government has now been destroyed. Hitler tried to bring it back. I don't know if you recognize that, if you've done a whole lot of history study, but Hitler would try and bring back the Roman Empire. That's, that's why they would call him Kaiser, Caesar. And it, it, all of this stuff, there's all these parallels and illustrations. But it, it obviously didn't work for him, did it? No, because the kingdom of heaven began under the, during the Roman Empire. The kingdom of heaven came when King Jesus came. King Jesus started this kingdom that you are now part of if you are a child of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom. And so we we look at this and and recognize that there was a a kingdom commencing at the time of Jesus. There will be a kingdom complete when he comes again. In the book of Revelation it says the kingdom of God has now become the kingdom of man. And so God will reign over all the earth. But un- until then, he is, on a, he is on a recovery mission. Because Satan has so, so desecrated the earth. And when sin spread throughout the earth, uh, corruption came with it. But now Jesus comes and he comes seeking to save those who are lost. And he transforms the lives of individuals. And now we are co-missioned with him in his kingdom practice. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I want to look in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 11, they were having a discussion about John the Baptist. John is in jail, and John sends his delegation to Jesus and say, Are you the one, or should we be looking for another? Jesus begins telling them, 
He tells his disciples, you tell John what you're seeing and hearing. He says in verse, verse 10, for this is he who's written. No, 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 no. Let me back up. Verse 5. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, this is Matthew chapter 11. Previously in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, don't think that I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And then he goes on to describe that households will be divided. Somebody gets saved in the household. Now the family members don't even like them anymore. They don't want anything to do with them. I don't know if you've ever been a part of that or witnessed that, but I have. And, that, and I've been in Africa where I had this young Muslim boy, Tobias. He would follow me around day in, day out. He just took a liking to me. And come to find out his dad was a Muslim imam. He said, my dad finds out I'm a Christian, I'm killed. This young boy, about 15 years old. But he knew the cost when he named the name of Jesus his Savior. Amen? Jesus says, that's the kind of stuff that happens in this kingdom. And then, and then he, he comes and he says, and he's quoting Isaiah 61, which we'll get into in just a little bit. And he says, this is the stuff of the kingdom. The, the, the dead are raised. The, there's healing. There's all of these things that happen. And then he says, verse 10, uh, talking about John the Baptist, For this is he who is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know you're greater than John the Baptist? He was ushering in the kingdom. But you're a part of the kingdom. Amen? And it says, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And, and I know that I'm one of the least, but I'm still, I'm a part of the kingdom Amen. that John was just preaching about. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, catch this, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, I know that's a little confusing, but when you read it in the context that it's written in, what he's saying is, is this is no passive kingdom. This is an active kingdom. And those who are part of this kingdom, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be aggressive. I'm not just going to passively sit by and say, gosh, I, I hope I'm saved. I, I, I hope I get to go to heaven. Uh-uh. I've been told through the scriptures that there's a way to know. There's a way to know and to, to, to call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And so he says, that the, here's what that says it in Luke, in Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it, pressing into it. Don't you know that if I, if I recognize spiritually understanding and seeing it, that outside of this kingdom is death and destruction and disease and disaster and divorce and, and division and hatred and all of those things outside of his kingdom. But inside his kingdom are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Then I'm going to get inside his kingdom and you ain't going to hold me out. You just go ahead and try. But he said, no, the, the righteous are pressing into it. Back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. He said, but what shall I like in this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. 
we mourned to you and you did not lament. Now he's using a, an illustration that we might not get in this current day. But he's saying, you're like a bunch of kids playing in the street. And saying, we laughed and you didn't laugh and we cried and you didn't cry. We, we played and you didn't play along. Jesus said, that's what this generation was like. He says, but in the midst of this game playing religion comes a kingdom. And it's an aggressive kingdom. And those who are part of this kingdom of God aren't satisfied just passively sitting by playing games in the street. He said, no, we're actively involved, aggressively involved in a kingdom practice. Co-mission with Christ. It's a real kingdom. And when you got saved, if you got saved, if you didn't get saved today, it'd be a great day to do that. When you got saved, you weren't saved to a playground, you were saved to a battleground. It got serious. And that's what Jesus said. He said, even your family might turn against you. And then he was telling people as they were considering walking with him, he said, you better make a good decision. Because foxes have holes and birds are there and have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, we're going to be homeless, guys. He says, those who lay their hands to the, to the plow don't look back. So we're, we're moving forward. You want to move forward? You want to take this serious? Then let's move forward. And he's talking about the aggressiveness of the kingdom, the, the activeness of the kingdom. Can't be passive. Can't be passive. If it was your child that was all wrapped up in the web of lies of the enemy and he, he's, his goal is to, to steal and kill and destroy them, would you just say, well, I'm just praying for him. I'm praying for him. Mm -mm, I'm going on a spiritual attack. I know how to do spiritual warfare. And I'm coming with aggression. And I'm going to tell Satan, get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my family. And by the power of Jesus Christ, the authority that we have, child of God, you have the authority of Jesus Christ. If you are in the family of God, you're part of the kingdom. Amen? If you're not, then woo, bad on you. You're in trouble. But I, I recognize that one of the greatest issues with the church, one of the greatest problems of the church today is passive Christianity. An under-challenged church. We just think that church attendance just sitting by and, and singing just as I am is going to get it done. It ain't. It ain't. No. See, God has a plan for us that he wants to bring back what he originally intended, and that is the rule of man under the authority of God. That's what he intended. Isaiah chapter, I don't know, what is it? 58. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, we, have, uh, we are starting today at Sand Springs, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why in the world do we do this? I thought this was lost amongst the church of Jesus Christ years ago. Who does this anymore? We do this because of the powerful practice of the people of God. But in Isaiah 58, they were doing it wrong. They were doing it wrong. They said, we're going to... We're going to try and dial into the formula and see if we can get God's attention. We're going to fast and see if God will we'll get God to bend our way. Isaiah 58 verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. God is speaking now, by the way. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And to strike with a fist of wickedness, you will not fast as you do this day and make your voice heard on high. 
God said, we ain't playing no game. We ain't going to play this game where you say, well, I, I'm, I, I'm putting off things so that, God, that, that you'll move on my behalf. He said, no, you're not. How many of you uh, have, have missed a meal and, and you know what happens when you get a little grumpy? How many of you get a little grumpy? How many get a little hangry? How many? And then uh, you know, my wife, I, for the last several years, I've done just water fast for 21, the 21-day pray, uh, prayer and fasting. And, uh, and, and, and Miss Christie would love to make the most delicious-smelling meals. You don't ever cook in this house the stuff that smells like that. Now, think about it. When you haven't had any food, your senses just get, like, overrode. And so I walk in the house, like, oh, my goodness. And then I get mad. What are you doing? Why don't you cook like that when I'm not fasting? You know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so God has said, hey, just because you called a fast, don't think you're going to manipulate me into doing what you want me to do. He says, actually, you're, you, you're being... You're being uh, mean to your employees. You're, you're, you're fighting with your spouses. You're doing all of these things. He said, don't think that gets my attention. Verse 6. Isn't this not the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. It is, not to share your, is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the, the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. I want you to remember that phrase. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Remember these phrases. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. Shall build the old waste places. What you're getting in Isaiah so many times in Isaiah is hints and clues of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. Which at this time was a kingdom to come. A kingdom to come. He said those from among you shall build the old waste places uh, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Remember these phrases. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Remember, these are powerful phrases. There's, there's clues and hints. When you see these repeated over and over in the scriptures, you recognize there, there's something going on. He's telling us something. In Isaiah 61, it says, verse 1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To com comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. Well-watered garden. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. 
You hear these phrases over and over again. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. By the way, this would be the the passage that Jesus would quote in Luke chapter 4 when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. There's five things that we've been called to do as a church. The church of Jesus Christ has been called to evangelize, to be a part of soul care, to be a part of healing, deliverance, and restoration. That's the five. That's kingdom practice. Have you been part of those things in the last year? Have you been a part of kingdom work? Have you been a part of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and the, and the, the goodness of our God? I want to go back to, to Psalm 144. It was on January the 21st of 2021 during our 21-day fast. I get away the last week, get a vision from the Lord for our church. He gave me this verse of Scripture. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. That our oxen may be well laden and there be no breaking in or going out. That there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. When the Lord gave me this verse of scripture, I knew that it was specifically for us as a church. And how our church's focus, everything we do, is obviously for the, for the king first, but for the family. That the kingdom of God expands family by family by family. And in this passage it says that our sons may be plants growing up in their youth, that our daughters may be pillars sculptured in palace style. And then it goes on to say that our barns may be full. Meaning that God is going to supply all of the needs of this church. Amen? I am not a, I'm not a hype guy. I, in fact, it so annoys me when people just try and build up some kind of a false sense of uh, uh, excitement. And to try and hype people up, to, to, I'm not that guy. In fact, if New Year's rolls around, uh, I'm often just seeking the Lord to see what he's saying. Always. But as we come into this new year, I, I'm just, I got an excitement in me that I just know that this is going to be an awesome year for us. Yeah. I just know that this is going to be an amazing year. Uh, we went in from 20, uh, 2019 into 2020 and, and all kinds of preachers were talking about vision in 2020. And I started off with a message of hope. We're going to need hope. I just knew that this was going to be a tough year. I had no idea COVID was around the corner. And that we were going to, you know, the, the world was going to change that year. But while guys were talking about, oh, this is going to be awesome, vision for 2020. I was like, oh, we bet we're going to need some hope in 2020. But we rode around into this year and I'm thinking, God's going to bring this about. Amen. God's going to bring this about. It may be our best year ever. I don't know. But he says there are, our barns may be full. We're about to start a, a new building. And I know we've been saying that for a while. <laughs> and uh, I've been so frustrated. I've been frustrated with anybody and everybody associated with that building. That thing's supposed to be going up, only to just recently find out it was held up for a reason. It was held up for a reason. Just just to kind of give you a little clue into it. Everything was moving forward. It was before the city, and everything hit the brakes. And then when the city slid the papers across the desk, as I was up there trying to negotiate, uh, 
I look in the building, someone had given one of their members a word position. I'm looking on the papers and everything would have moved forward if I'd not caught this. The building was in the wrong position. It was in the wrong position. And that's why everything has been on hold because God's like, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. That will hold you up in the future. And this church is going to be expanding in the future. And that's sitting in the wrong position. So now all that's been changed and everything's moving forward. Praise God. And here's what God says. You don't have to worry about the supply. I'm going to fill your barns. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. That's souls saved. That's what that is. Thousands and ten thousands. Souls will be saved, brought into this kingdom of God. It says, and our oxen may be well laden. Oxen are laborers. And these are some of these word pictures in the Bible that represent something. And, and we, we who are laborers in the kingdom are the oxen. It says, we're going to be loaded down, baby. We're going to be loaded down. Our oxen are, may be well laden that there be no breaking in or going out, that there no, be no outcry in our streets. Athens, Texas is better because this church is in it. Amen. Amen? Amen. Henderson County is affected for the kingdom of God because this church is in it. And, and we are to be a part of the kingdom practice. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. We're not going to be some passive group of pantyways Christians. I, did I say that? I said that. <laughs> and just cowardice has no place in the kingdom of God. Has no place in the kingdom of God. In fact, the book of Revelation, I, this is not in my sermon. In uh, Revelation 21.8. It says, but the, the, there's a list of people who don't make it into the kingdom. And the first one on the list, the cowardly. The cowardly. It says in Revelation 21, 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be the, his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars that shall have part in the lake of, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The first one makes a list of the coward. There's no room for cowardice in the kingdom. Do y'all know that song? goes with that verse of scripture. Revelation, Revelation. Y'all don't know this song? 21A, 21A, liars go to hell. Liars go to hell. Burn, 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 burn. <laughs> just a nice little you can teach your kids that sometime it's good stuff good stuff <laughs> uh, but here's what god is saying i'm doing something and it's eternal it's powerful it's kingdom we don't have place for passivity we don't we, we are to be active we are to be aggressive amen amen that's good right there here's what jesus says first john chapter 3 verse 8 he says, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. We ain't playing games. I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Well, what is the works that the devil is doing? He's just, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So how do you destroy destruction? You become a restorer. You become a deliverer. You become a repairer. He said, this, this is what Jesus says I've come to do. Those things that he's trying to destroy, I'm going to bring life to it. 
I'm going to be bringing life to the things that he tried to bring death to. In Matthew chapter 17, I want you to look with me in this verse of scripture. This kind of, this is wrapping it all up right here. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is on a Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Comes down off that mountain to find a crowd has gathered at the base of the mountain. And as he comes up to this crowd, verse 14, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. What you're seeing here is this man's physical description of what he thinks is happening to his son. He says he's, a, he's an epileptic and suffers severely. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. I don't know if y'all know much about epilepsy. They had an aunt who was epileptic. And uh, by the way, this condition is not always trying to throw you into fire and throw you into water. That was his understanding of it. But Jesus says, no, there's something more behind this. By the way, sometimes physical conditions are spiritually induced. They're spiritually induced. And so, then he says in verse 16, So I brought him to your disciples. Remember, Peter, James, and John are with him on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. So that leaves the other nine. And he says, So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Don't you know, if you're one of those disciples, all of a sudden you're just like... Kind of easing off. And don't you know Jesus is over looking at them? And they say, well, 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 what happened was, uh, I, 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 we, he messed up. He messed up. Here's what Jesus said in verse 7. Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, I want you to know there's several things in that passage of Scripture. It's rich with all kinds of stuff in there. But one, Satan does not play fair, and he don't care if it's a child. He don't care if it's your child. He hates you. He hates your family. He wants to see you suffer. He wants to see your children die. He does not care. He don't fight fair. This is not a game to him. And so here's this boy, this child, and, and, th- and this demon is in him throwing him into the fire. Throwing him into the water trying to drown him. And he brings him to Jesus and Jesus says, we'll have enough of that. Cast it out. The demon has gone that very hour, it says. And the disciples came near to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20. I'll wrap it up right here. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this, what? And mountains represent what? You'll say to this mountain, they just came off a mountain. He just came off the mountain of transfiguration, possibly Mount Tabor there in Israel, been on it several times. I don't think he's talking about that mountain. I think he's talking about the mountain, that kingdom that was operating in that boy trying to kill him. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. 
and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I don't know if all of that just finally clicked with you. That you've, you've heard that passage of faith is a mustard seed and throwing off mountains into the sea. And I don't know if any of that clicked before. Maybe it just clicked just now. There are, there's a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven operating. And there's a dominion of darkness operating. And the dominion of darkness under the rule of Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. And when you came to Jesus, you came into this life. But he also commissioned you into his kingdom work. That those who are caught up in that kingdom, that dominion of darkness, they need to be rescued. They need to be saved out of it. They need someone who is not just going to say, well, I'm just going to pray for you. I pray that that just gets better. I hope that that... That's a weak, little, wimpy prayer. When you recognize that you were brought into a kingdom with authority, with power, now all of a sudden you don't start praying, uh, if it be thy will, and now all of a sudden you start taking authority. You start commanding. You start speaking Jesus over things and seeing things change. You start recognizing, I'm a part of a, not some kind of little wimpy passive kingdom. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And the violence are taking it, the violent are taking it by force. I'm not going to passively sit by and say, I'm going to pray for you. I want to see your life go to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get involved. And I'm going to say, we're going to rescue out of that darkness. We're going to rescue out. We're going to see God heal that disease. We're going to see that bondage stop right here and now. Amen? No more wimpy little passive Christians. And God has called us to be active and aggressive. That's why we fast. That's why we fast. He said this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. What does that mean? People that are serious. People that ain't playing around. People says, I'll put off my pleasures of the flesh in order to gain in the spiritual. I'm going to tell this body, my desires don't rule me. I rule them under the authority of Jesus Christ. I rule them. And therefore, I don't have any problem putting off the things of the flesh in order that I might gain the things of the spirit. And I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for this community. I'm doing it that we can continue to see his righteousness, peace, and joy continue to spread throughout this community. Amen? Amen. This is war. This is war. I hope you ain't a wimp. If not, let me smack you around in the name of Jesus. <laughs> see if we can build you a little toughness. Build you a little, little, a little, a little bowing up. Amen? Your kids... Your grandkids are growing up under a, there's a, there's a system out there that wants to see them destroyed. It's called the world, according to the scripture. But there's a God who loves them more than you do. And he puts you in their life for a reason. And he's changing your life and building your strength in the word, your knowledge in scriptures, your understanding of truth. Your spiritual fervor. He's building you up 
because maybe they will save for the generations to come, your family, this community, and on and on and on it goes. Let's do a little spiritual warfare right here. Let's take communion together. We had one Sunday, Christmas Eve, in which we went to another location, and because of all of that, uh, we, we, we did not take communion. <laughs> we do this every Sunday, obviously. There's, there's spiritual things that happen with this, by the way. Amen. You don't understand the power of communion, the power of God's healing power over, uh, over physical bodies, over situations, relationships, finances, all of those things. There's power in communion. And that Sunday at Christmas Eve out at the event center, we didn't have communion. And it was like a super spreader in our church. <coughs> I got sick. My whole household got sick. My dad's still sick. Y'all pray for him. And just so many people got sick. We're taking communion today. Yes. Jesus said, by his straps, we're healed. Lord, we just speak Jesus over everybody in this household. We just speak Jesus over every, every ailment and condition. And those that didn't even get to come today, Lord, as they are at home, Lord, I pray that they would be taking communion with us. Go grab the grape juice and the tortillas and just take communion with us. And we just speak Jesus over their sickness and just declare sickness will bow to the name of Jesus Christ. You've... You, you have reversed the curse of sin, sickness, and death. Relationships that are damaged and wounded, we just speak Jesus over those relationships. Chemical addiction and bondage, we just speak Jesus over that stuff. And just declare all of those things are of a lesser kingdom and they must bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. The one of ultimate authority. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take of the cup, we're reminded that salvation comes through no other name but the name of Jesus. And through him you may be saved. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have given us salvation. You've given your lifeblood for our lives. Thank you. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen.